We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weber back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet. Put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Hand, the Kings Inside for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me this lovely Friday afternoon, Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? It's good to be back in reality and like, well, I guess what I would call normal civilization after one night in the sticks. My camping trip <laughs> is halfway complete, so I had to... <laughs> come up here to join you guys uh where there was actually internet and cell phone service i'll be heading back to the sticks but i feel very grimy and dirty so sean is sean is grimy and dirty of course we are joined by brendan nunez from the king's pulse podcast brendan how are you i am doing well um a little bit of lingering sickness so apologies if you hear it in my voice or i gotta take a break to cough or anything like that but doing okay I told you guys before we pressed record, I don't think people will believe me, but I was sick and tired of the condescending bullying from you two. Not and I watched movies. I watched movies. I've watched a couple shows. I'm trying to get caught up. Um, I will admit one of them was Barbie. It was not my idea. Okay. And it actually was a solid movie. I will yeah, say I thought there were some funny jokes in it. I liked um, it. I did as well. Um, I saw Us, the... <laughs> Jordan Peele movie? Is that the right name? Yeah, that's fantastic. Yep. That was a great movie and based in the boardwalk, which is a place that I love. So, well, I guess based. It's, yeah, I spent a little bit of time at the boardwalk, but saw that. I saw the Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix that was oh. interesting. I'm sure left out a lot, but was interesting. And then I've Johnny caught up Ball. on a couple uh, Black Mirror episodes. So I've been watching things, fellas, all at once, Jeez. believe it or not. I don't believe him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what are the odds? I haven't seen Barbie yet. Uh, I, I want to. I, I will go see Barbie. But how is it possible that Brendan and James have both seen something I haven't? I don't think that's ever happened, at least from a movie. That, that is strange. I yeah. did go see Oppenheimer. So that's a good one. I, I'm a little caught up. I'm a little caught up. 
and, and Barbie, I thought Barbie was interesting. Like, uh, you know, like I thought it was fun. I went with my wife and a bunch of her friends and like, I'm okay watching whatever. And you know what? My, uh, my 15 year old wanted to go and him and all of his friends went. And so we had like, I don't know. We had like 13 seats in a row for Barbie. I don't know. It was fun. I also saw uh, the first 40 minutes of Oppenheimer. Oh, Jesus Christ. Would you fall asleep? asleep? No, no, I didn't fall asleep. I was watching very legally at home, and it didn't... It's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Um, okay, so hello, everybody. Uh, we It's a different show today. Um, sorry we didn't have a show last week. Things got in the way. Um, I've been filling in for, uh, for Damian Barling all week on ESPN 1320. Um, it's a long day to be on the radio for four hours and then hop in and do a podcast. And it's kind of the same thing last week. So uh, it's been a long couple of weeks for me and uh, it's been a little quiet out in the King's world. But uh, if you're watching here on, on YouTube and you don't mind, give us thumbs up. If uh, this is the first time you've been to our show or you haven't done it before, please subscribe to the channel here. Um, and if you really like our content, go to the and become a premium subscriber to the kingspeed.com so you get invites to things like the happy hour. Uh, we did have a happy hour last week with um, Jim Crandall, which I thought was a lot of fun. Thanks, Sean, for showing up and, and hitting him with a bunch of questions. Um, and again, I think it's one of those things where, you know, someone who wants a connection still with the community that he covered sports for for almost 40 years. And we gave him a platform, and I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, he looks a little Sean? different, doesn't he? Looks a little different, doesn't he? Got a little beard. Got a little a Jim Crandall beard. I liked it. That's so. more than a. That's more than a little beard. That's like a, a biblical beard. <laughs> he went full <laughs> like Moses on us. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, yeah man. Uh, okay, so let's get to uh, the biggest news of the week. Um, that is that the Sacramento Kings have brought back Namias Kata. Uh, for a, it's not a training camp deal. It's a full-fledged contract, um, but it's partially guaranteed. Um, we're seeing today, and I had heard rumors of this, uh, it's guaranteed for $250,000 through camp. If he makes the team coming out of camp, he gets a $500,000 bonus for being on an opening night roster, um, and it becomes fully guaranteed on January 10th, which is when everyone else's contracts become fully guaranteed that are on partially guaranteed contract. It's also a two-year contract uh, with the second year being non-guaranteed. Um, it's basically the same exact thing that Nerland's Noel got. It's just a not as veteran version of uh, Nerland's Noel got 300000 for showing up to camp, 600000 if he makes opening night roster. I don't know where are you guys at with this. Uh, Mia's Keda back. Uh, all of a sudden the Kings go, uh, really, really, really deep at the center position, and it seems like there's going to be a fun competition. I think it's good to have healthy competition. You know, it's a lot of spots to use on on bigs. Um, I, I guess maybe Lyles gets slotted back into the idea of a four here if you're trying to make a depth chart, but I'm sure he'll still get some some potential burn at the five. But between after Sabonis, you got Alex Len, and then Nerlens Noel and Namias Keda here. I, I think that competing for that spot is is smart it's two guys that while they have their differences i think that their strength of rim protection is is similar and it's about for sacramento's perspective getting the the better of the two to fill what is a clear need on your roster and 
you know, Noel probably runs the floor a little bit better. Nimi has more size to him when it comes to, you know, isolation defense against some of the larger guys in the league. Um, so I, I think it's nice to see Nimi continue to get an opportunity with the team that is familiar with him and he spent time around. And I, I just think that competition is is good for all involved as long as it is, <clears throat> excuse me, as long as it's taken the right way. You know, if they're viewing it as an opportunity and, you know, the guy being next to you also having this opportunity being inspirational rather than maybe rolling your eyes and, and getting annoyed by somebody else seeing there. So I think that competition is great as long as it's taken the right way. And it's two guys that would have potential to be solid third string centers or or maybe one more down the line if if that's the way you want to look at it. And that's kind of how I project them potentially going into next year. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the right way to look at it. I think I'm I'm wondering if there's ever a scenario that all three would make the team, and and, and I obviously would say no um, if I was a betting man. Um, but with that being said, the thing that really is going in the in favor of Namias Keda is he's got the benefit of familiarity with so many players on the roster, the coaching staff for sure for sure. Um, and to me, that gives him a really big leg up in the competition. Um, if you're looking at, you know, a neck and neck race between him and Nerlens Noel, and obviously people know what Nerlens Noel is known for doing and being a rim protector, but the reality is, and I mentioned it on 1320 with you guys, James, earlier this week is that, you know, on paper, he's much better than what he is in reality. Uh, he's had numerous setbacks throughout his career and frankly, just hasn't been that type of rotational piece all the time. So, um, it, it's really a fun environment for both of them to really kind of go out and earn it. And I think Nerlens Noel is more familiar with having to do that than, than Kata is. Um, but for Kata, now it's a go out and earn it. And, and he's got the opportunity to do so in almost the perfect environment for him to do that. Uh, so that's exciting, I feel. And I think um, I think he's not, you know, to, for people who don't know, he's not just playing for the Kings at this point. I mean, he'll he'll be hopefully trying to open some eyes elsewhere if it doesn't work out with Sacramento. Um, I think they'd like him to be a rebounding force and a rim protector uh, that they, they believe that Nerlens Noel is capable of being, but what he's got going for him on the offensive end, in my opinion, gives him the, the advantage. And so I know he's younger. I know he hasn't necessarily played NBA minutes, but this is the moment and, and you're going into a, a camp to compete and we've seen some nice things in summer league. We've seen some things in G League that have, have obviously had some accolades attached to him with him making the you know all league team last year. And now it's on just that up upward trajectory. And if he can really go out there and grasp it, um, you know, it, it'll be a lot of fun to, to kind of see a guy go out and earn it. Yeah, I was pretty harsh on on Nerlens Noel uh, when we were talking about when we were talking about him on uh, D'Lo and Casey Sean, uh, because I, I think, you know, again, I brought up Damian Jones and Damian Jones, like for me is a more impactful player because number one, he stays healthy, but number two, he really does fit into like a traditional rim running defensive minded rebounding big man. And like Nerlens has always been like this mystical beast that could have been something, but he never quite reached it in any of his stops before. And we're talking about, I think the Kings are his seventh team. So it's not like he hasn't had opportunity. So if I'm the Kings, um, I, I'm glad that that they brought in Nerlens Noel. I think it made sense, but I also do believe that it makes sense to bring in Kada because uh, he's he's a bigger version. 
he's stronger, um, he's younger, and there's these, this other thing that, number one, he you can put him back in the G League if you need to. So if he does make the opening day roster, but you want to send him to the G League, he's in his third season, so he can still go down and play. So if you go through a stretch where you're you're testing out the Trey Lyles thing with Alex Lynn as your backstop, and Kata hasn't got any minutes for, say, like two or three weeks, and you want to send him down to the G League, and ramp him up and give him two weeks to like get ready to play again, you can do that where you cannot do that with Nerland's Noel. Noel, you're going to have this problem that if he's sitting, like, what does that mean for him? You know, he's, he can work out, he can do certain things, but he's not getting actual basketball. So I think that plays into the hand. And then I think the other piece that really does matter is by retaining Namias Keda, you're rewarding a player that's in your system, who's worked his way through your system who's fought through two two-way contracts and who has performed well, who's grown into his role. The game number two in the G League and MVP balloting was all G League, was all defensive G League. Like he, he has these accolades. And what would that mean if he has all these accolades and he's done everything that you've asked him to do and then you don't even give him an opportunity to compete for the start of, for, a, for a, a, a roster spot in training camp. And I, and I think it would have set a bad precedence to not at least give him a shot here to compete. And I don't know if Keda can bust through and become a rotational player for the Kings or not, but I certainly think that for the players that you ask to go to the G league and that you send to the G league and that you're, you're stocking that team with, it shows them that there's a way to climb into the, to make it right. To get to the big club, to get a $250,000 guarantee to possibly get, you know, $750,000 guaranteed if you make the opening night roster. And if you would have wasted that opportunity with him, I think it actually would have had a ne- negative impact. Like it would have shown some of the players around him that like, look, it doesn't matter how good you are at the G League level. We're st- still not going to give you that opportunity. So I think that the, that's another element to this that, that I think could be missed. And we've seen him reward guys before. And I think it's valuable for that same reason that you pointed out, like DJ Stewart getting, um, a little bit of money from them last year Deontay Burton getting called up for a 10 day Sean has mentioned Jordan Ford is going to get an opportunity in training camp like I think that to your point James that those do matter for the guys that are there now that they see if they do grind if they show something that they will get that opportunity my follow-up question for you guys about this Nimi thing is does this make him ineligible say after training camp they wanted to put him in that third two-way is that still a possibility well, I, I believe it is. Like, I haven't done all of the, the research on it. Um, but, I I mean, it's weird. Like, the way that you can be allocated to the G League. So, if they were to cut him, I don't think, because he's never been property of the G League, I don't think they can send him to the G League because he would have gotten too much of a bonus, right? So, like, we saw this last year with Sam Merrill or with uh, Chima, uh, Chima Moneki, right? So, they were able to give DJ Stewart a signing bonus, like I think is 125,000 bucks. And then when they cut him, because his rights were with the Stockton Kings, they were able to allocate him to the Stockton Kings. And he was able to stay there and keep that money. Well, Sam Merrill, they couldn't do that with because it, I think the, the money is, if he's not already in your system, you can only give him X amount of dollars and in, in, as a training camp invite. And they had given him over that allotted amount. So Sam Merrill went into the G League draft because he had only been a rostered NBA player who got sent to the G League and had played in the G League, but had never been a G League player. 
So there's some like distinctions there that are a little bit strange. And I'm gonna have to do a little bit more research because of the two-way nature of Namias Kata's contract from before, um, because that would mean that he is in both systems. So I think there is still a possibility that they could cut him and then allocate him to the G League, but I'm gonna have to go through it and look. Um, either way, I think to Sean's point, you asked what, is there a possibility that you keep all of them? And I think the answer is yes. I mean, again, the Kings spent, let's just start adding it up, 250K on Chima Moneki, uh, 200,000 for Sam Merrill, like 125 on um, on DJ Stewart last year. Those were all training camp invites. So for the Kings to like bat their eye at 250K or, or 300K or 500K or 600K for these guys to make the roster, I, I think that they would potentially do that. They would allow a player to continue to compete after training camp if it made sense. Um, I don't know if that will be the case or not, but if you got four good ones, like you already, it's not that much more of a commitment at the NBA level. I mean, like if you get to January 10th and you start needing a roster spot, sure, wave somebody. That's fine. You can clear a roster spot then and you're only out, you know, the the 750 or 900 K plus whatever contract money they had earned up to that point in the season, but it still wouldn't be prohibitive uh, for them to do that. Now, if somebody on some other team gets waived coming out of camp and you're like, Oh, I really like that player. Maybe you do need to open up a 15th roster spot to, to go get a player like that. But for me, like right away, it's possible. Uh, I don't think uh, like what Sean said, I don't think it's probable. It's probable. I think they will have a true natural competition and I guess here's a question for you guys. Do you think the competition will be a two-man competition between Nerlens Noel and uh, and Amias Keda, or will it be a three-man competition between those two and uh, Alex Len as well? Because Alex is on a guaranteed $3.2 million contract, but again, we're talking about league minimum and teams like they burn money like this all the time. You know, like again, well, even I, I miss Della Vadova. The Kings did this exact same thing with Matthew Dellavedova last year and kept him. So, Sean, I, I don't know. What do you think? Is it a true, natural two-man competition for one spot, or do you think it's more? Uh, I mean, it's speculation on my part without knowing, uh, but I, I, I would guess that it's more of a two-man than a three-man because I think uh, Alex Lynn is is pretty much in pen on that roster, um, knowing what he's brought to the team before. And, you know, certainly we've been – I've been critical of that thinking that they've needed to update upgrade that position um don't think that they have necessarily quality depth at the center uh position but you do have a piece in Namias Keda that has some wonder because you don't know if he can play at the NBA level and certainly has shown flashes has shown an upward uh, trajectory uh and uh, is really deserving of the opportunity um, there's just, there, to me, I feel like we know what Nerlens Noel is and if he can stay healthy and somehow find, um, uh, that spark and, and deliver upon it, maybe ha turn in one of his, um, best camps and, and set himself up. Maybe you lean on the veteran presence more than, uh, somebody like Kata. But I, I think what Kata has, I mentioned it before and I mentioned on the radio this week is, you know. Mike Brown, it's it's all about who he's going to trust. And to me, if you're Mike Brown and, and you've been around Namias Keda a lot and you've seen some growth and you've seen some things, he may not be at the level you need yet, but 
um, if you're going up against somebody like Nerlens Noel, you, you have to try to see if he is somebody capable of filling in when needed. And I think both of those guys at various points in the season could potentially play, but it's not like we're talking about two players that would likely fill, uh, have rotational type of minutes. So um, it, it is depth, but, you know, I think it will be to answer the questions initially. I think it is going to be a two man, two man race. And if I was betting on one, and I don't know if you'd be different in this, Brendan, but I would probably bet on Kata because there is upside there. There is some untapped potential. Uh, and I still think there are question marks there. And 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 let's be honest, if he can't beat Nerlens Nolan to, to make a team, that would, in my mind, kind of answer every question you ever had about uh, their belief in the Miyaskeda. Yeah, I will say, I think that, you know, if you're looking for just different looks at that backup five, that Kata is probably more similar to Len than Noel is. So maybe if you're trying to look for just some variance in, in matchup variability that maybe you lean towards Noel, but I think it's just going to be about how these guys play and like Len, if he got totally outplayed by these two, sure. I could see that case, but um, I, I think that to Sean's point, I'd probably agree that it, I, I would imagine that Len will be there. He got playoff minutes in that season against, or that postseason against golden state. And I, I think there's something there. So that's, you know, kind of where I'm at with that. I, I think that there is, I know you guys said that it's prob not probable to keep all these guys, but I just kind of want to echo that because you're at 15 right now and you're two, two ways. So you have three training camp deals or, or three more players you can bring into training camp and one more two way. And you don't have a third string point guard right now, you know, unless we're talking about Malik Monk or Colby Jones. Um, but I still think there's a need there and bringing back all of these guys to me is more so about opportunity cost rather than what specifically these guys bring. Yeah. It's a lot of depth that we would be talking about. Is there something that you guys think that Kata needs to do in order to stand out and earn this job? Because for me, what it is, is like when we watched him play in preseason, I mean, in, in summer league and he had that, that incredible fourth quarter, right? Where he's flinging the ball all, all over the place. He's dominating the action. He's grabbing rebounds. He's doing all this stuff for me. Like if Namias Keita doesn't understand like a very basic thing, the second he walks out on the court, he needs to ball. He needs to bring it from the opening moment because in his career, like that's in front of him right now, he's going to have a tough time ever being a starting NBA center. And that means he's always going to be coming off the bench. And sometimes that means he can come off the bench behind a guy that might be a 20 minute a game guy, or, or, you know, might be a 25 minute a game guy, but in Sacramento, he's coming off the bench behind an all NBA center. And that means that like, whatever you're going to play, you got to be impactful. And that could be 13 minutes. It could be 15 minutes, but it could come in like three minute chunks. And you got to be ready the second you walk out on the court. And for, for my money, what I've noticed from him, like, over the, the two years he's been in Sacramento is he takes too long to settle into a game. And that's not what an NBA backup center does. That's okay. If you're a starting center, uh, you can work yourself into a game, but as a, as a backup center, you need to come in and be impactful right away. You have to come in ready to bring energy and to, to rebound. I mean, even the, go back to like the Lakers game where he has this really solid, like 12 points and eight rebounds or what it was. In that game, he dropped four balls out of bounds or three balls out of bounds on the re uh, rebounding. 
in the first like minute and a half he was in the game and it was like what are you doing and it, it always feels to me he's not ready when he steps on the court and that's something that if he's not ready on day one of training camp he's going to fall behind he does a better job of playing using his body um which has come uh in his evolution since coming to sacramento i think it's still a little bit mechanical uh at times and and sometimes he he plays slower than he's capable of we'd like to kind of see a little bit more quickness from him um but to me it all kind of comes down to rebounding in the defensive presence um he in a in a fun way is a lot like uh the hassan whiteside in his second stint with sacramento in the way he can make the defense have to alter their their motion and their their plan of attack i mean he he clogs a lane like he's he's in there he's a, that's a big physical presence and his presence alone uh does them justice on the on the defensive end now um he's got to be better than that you can't just be a someone who just stands there um so defense rebounding quickness less mechanical more fluid and i think he's done a on, on both ends, I think he's done a very good job in running the floor. Uh, I think he, he tries to be a physical presence. That usually results in some foul trouble from what we've seen. But um, we just need to see him play. Like, we need to see him hopefully get some preseason run, uh, hopefully get some moments in the season if he is to make it uh, to where he can play against actual NBA talent. Uh, I'm with you, James. If he makes the team and he's back in the G League for a little bit, that's okay. Um, just to get him run because I don't see a lot of rotational minutes for him. But uh, just the way the season kind of takes form, I, I think there can be some opportunities in short stints. And you're right, he has to go out there and try to be an impactful presence right out of the gate because if you're just standing around looking to set a screen or, or have a maybe go up and get a board or two, it's not good enough. He has to be able to be a presence that's locked in from the minute he checks into the floor, into the game. Yeah, I feel like we've said it a lot, but like just go back and look at what he looked like at Utah State. Like his body transformation has been insane up to this point in Sacramento. It's something he talked about last offseason that he put on a bunch of weight and was getting used to it. Um, at Summer League, he talked about, you know, still getting used to that size, maybe a little bit more core and coordination at that size. And I've always been very focused on sort of his balance between finesse and power. And I think I've made the mistake of thinking because there's the finesse game, that's what's lacking, making the power lack. But both can coexist. I just don't think I've seen enough of like the brute strength that he clearly has available to him. And I think that's just getting used to playing at this size. Um, so I think that that's something you could continue to see grow from Nimi. And I think there's value that this guy played in the offense all of last year. Like Stockton ran the same offense. He spent time with Sacramento, um, but Stockton ran the exact same offense. He said that he's worked on his ball handling a lot. You know, there is some flashing passes here. Like out of Len, Noel, and Kata, I probably am most interested in Kata running dribble handoffs. Like I'm not saying that's the best because Kata could also get better at his screens and maybe it doesn't need to be DHOs. Maybe the guards can just be initiating it. But I think there's something there offensively as well. But there's definitely an aspect of still getting used to playing at this size. But you only can say that for so much longer. Bobby Jackson last year said that, you know, he's just too nice that he wants him to play mad. He's right. There. Yeah. So be mad, be mad that yeah. Nolan's Noel is your competition, like in a, in a constructive way, but be mad that you're competing against this guy and go out there and assert yourself. Yeah. I was going to add that, Brendan. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, hearing Bobby Jackson throughout the season, you're right. Like 
wanting him to play like a like a dickhead out there. Go out there and be a beast. Go out there and stop playing nice. And 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 sometimes, especially in the G League, sometimes um, you, you'll see a, you'll see some guys try to really try to involve their teammates, which is a good thing to do. But look, man, you're you're a second round pick for a reason. You're playing with a bunch of guys trying to make their way, almost like a summer league environment. Uh, you need to go out there and show them why they wasted a second round pick on you. And I don't mean wasted in a negative way, meaning that show that you're worthy of it, show that you can outplay somebody else on your team or on the opposition that, that was undrafted and, and they're trying to, you know, make their own mark and, and pave their own way to the NBA. You need to go out there and show them why you're worthy of, of such, such attention and go out there and be selfish, go out there and be a jerk. That's what you have to do. Yeah, and I think there's something, too, that um, Brennan, you were kind of touching on there. He's the closest thing of of the other center. So at this point, I, I consider Trey Lyles a center. I mean, that could change. But um, if Sasha Vazenkov doesn't end up being like what they think he can be, um, then it's possible that, you know, uh, that you could see Trey Lyles move back to the four more often. Um, but I think right now we're looking at Trey Lyles. We're looking at Alex Len. Uh, Nerlens Noel and Nemeas K, the closest thing to Demonis Sabonis they have of that group, in my opinion, is is Nemeas Keda. He's the one guy who can set a huge screen. Alex Lynn is probably a decent screen setter at the top, but Alex Lynn isn't a passer. Uh, Nerlens Noel has never been a passer in his career. Um, Trey Lyles is a passer, but he's not the size that you're getting from, and he's not the screen setter that what we've seen from Kata. So while it's raw and I still think there's potential there, he averaged over three assists per game at the G league last year. And so I actually think that he's a guy that if you can keep moving along this way with him and keep bringing him in along that there's potential for him to be that kind of passing big at some point in his NBA career. And so I, I would, I actually think that bringing Alex Len back is a good thing for Nemeas Kata he's still a breaking case of emergency big. And if you can run, you know, Kata can maybe get some third, uh, third string minutes here early in the season and see if you can bring him along. And if it doesn't work out, you could go back to Len. Uh, that's where I think the advantage is that you're, you're dealing with a young player who hasn't even like scratched the surface on who he can be as a player. Um, but to give up on him at this point to me would be kind of crazy. So Again, I, I like his passing ability. I like his ability to clear space and set screens, uh, rolling to the basket. He's an immense dude. He draws a huge crowd, which, again, will just do nothing but open up uh, your shooters on the perimeter. So if you do need to use him in a game, um, I, I think he's probably – he's a guy that I would want to see out of this group uh, behind Alec, uh, behind uh, Trey Lyles. Like, I think Trey Lyles is going to get the first shot here. But after that, there's going to be games where – you need a big backup center where, you know, Steven Adams or uh, Nikola Jokic or uh, Vucevic gets your big center. I mean, gets Sabonis in foul trouble and you need somebody to step in that can actually handle it. And Trey Lyles can't, you know, hold back some of these guys. And so I, I'm all about it. I like, I, I'm, I, I've been a Kata fan uh, just because I, I think he's a good kid, but also like the size, uh, the skill set is there. The defensive acumen is there. But also what you brought up, Brendan, like the way he's developed his body and the Kings have helped him along the way, like he is not the same player he was when they drafted him two years ago. 
and we see him getting better. And so I, I kind of want to see where he, he goes one more full season before I, I make any sort of uh, like true judgment on whether he's an NBA player or not. As the one with the Portuguese last name, I feel obligated to keep the country happy, you know? Yeah. Stay, stay as the NBA favorite in the country as long as you can. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the good people of Portugal, we love you. Uh, we, we want your guy to stick around a little bit longer. Uh, Sean, you had the, the pleasure of going out to a, uh, a golf tournament this week uh, or late last week um, where you hung out with, uh, with Mr. Keegan Murray, Mr. Malik Monk. Um, how is Keegan doing after his Team USA uh, select team you know, adventure and just how much do you think he learned from that process? Because it seems like it's a, a really good like stepping stone for, for a lot of players. Um, yeah, I think it was a pretty eye-opening uh, experience for him. Um, I think he took to it like a fish to water. Uh, I think he likes some of the challenges that, uh, that come with being part of the USA Select team. I think uh, at, by virtue of that team beating USA Basketball, the national team, which is – you know, let's face it, it's not the dream team of old. It's it's definitely not even what Olympic teams have looked like in the past. There's a lot of people that he would consider peers, uh, people that he's around and uh, in part of their draft classes and um, guys that he's competing with. Uh, you know, no, nobody like the Kevin Durant's and the Draymond Greens and the Steph Curry's and LeBron James and stuff like that. So um, I, I think it was a very, very – I think it was a, a huge opportunity for him. I think it puts him in the pipeline. And as long as he wants to be there, I think some great things could be on the horizon because uh, his shooting, his size, his ability to get the shot off. James, I know earlier in the week we were talking about that clip that everyone was reacting to of him, you know, quick shooting, the getting the ball off really quickly with a quick shot. Um, I, I think his physicality, especially with the, with the added weight that he's putting on and continues to put on, uh, I mean, he looks – fantastic physically uh he 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 looked i mean he's already he even looks different from what you saw it uh in in summer league and he's going to continue to work on that i mean his arms I, I i drew the comparison a little bit to what steph curry looked like uh in his first couple years to where you see now where he's this you know finely chiseled athlete and and keegan's not quite there yet but it, it's a huge night and day difference from in his arms what they look like last year compared in his rookie season compared to what where he's at right now so um that's all positive momentum and and i think he wants to be a part of usa basketball i think he'll have his opportunity as well um obviously there's fiba this year the olympic team is next year and depending upon who wants to throw their name back in the ring uh he could be a nice piece for them but yeah it was fun to see malik and keegan on the golf course one is clearly good at golf one isn't uh the one that's good at golf is keegan marie malik monk and i can definitely play in the same group um but it was a lot of fun and, and it's a pairing of two guys that are completely different uh, uh obviously personalities uh, malik is a lot like what you see on the basketball court even on the golf course and uh even when he miss, misses shots he's looking at the ground like it's the ground's fault um he he's blaring music from his uh from his golf cart which which was great for me because you know a lot of the music that he's listening to is a lot of the stuff that i listen to it's all over the board I mean, you've got hip hop, rock, pop. I mean, we had, you know, I was complimenting on his Nothing But Thieves playlist that he had, if, if you're familiar with that group, or even Halsey is with the shirt I'm wearing right now. Uh, he's blasting Halsey out of his uh, 
golf cart and uh, having a good time, man. So Marcus Graves, a G leaguer from Sac State, former Stockton King, was also in that group, and uh, it w- it was fun. It was a lot of fun, and uh, it was for a good cause with Midtown uh, Church, who's making educational opportunities uh, for children. And so they went out there and um, had a blast and put a little video on Instagram. And yes, I know Malik Monk flipped double birds. That was directed to me. Uh, that's okay. He's not flipping off a charity for people who are trying to, you know, think that that's weird. It was all in fun. Oh, uh, muted hammer. Muted hammer. My bad. Yeah, Brendan, I was going to ask you, like, what do you want uh, Keegan to take away from that experience? I know it's kind of a strange question, but, like, it, it's a big deal to go represent your country. And I was really, like, I thought it was cool to see um, Kenyon Murray put out there, like, how proud he was to see his son uh, wearing the Team USA jersey and just, like, how it hits you different when it's your your child who's representing your country, even with the select team. But is, is there something that you're hoping that he, he gathers from that experience? I mean, I think there's bits and pieces he can take from everybody, like being around uh, Steve Kerr and Eric Spolstra, like there are specifics that you can ask those guys being around Mikhail Bridges. You can ask him about things defensively. You can Josh, Josh Hart about rebounding. Like all of these guys have their specific strengths that I think that he can, you know, pick their brains and it's good to have those relationships. Maybe guys, if there were guys he wasn't familiar with, you know, maybe he's able to get that initial relationship start to build. So there is a line of communication. If he ever wanted to reach out or just being around these guys and seeing that he belongs, I think also has some value. Um, That shooting clip that that you guys mentioned was, was amazing to see. Um, I, I think just being around these highly talented players and coaches there's little bits and pieces that you can take from everybody i think there's a level of confidence in getting to have that experience and again seeing that you belong um and and, you know little things like coming out at the same time paul george is saying on his podcast with clay thompson that they're drafting the best shooters in the league and they take keegan murray as one of the 10 best shooters like i think that this could do so much for his confidence and just picking the brains of all of these extremely talented smart guys that are around him and constantly being in different scenarios, whether that's working with De'Aaron Fox and Luke Laux or different members of this coaching staff, but also getting these different perspectives from players and coaches, I think can hold so much value to a young player. Yeah. And along those lines, James, it's, it's, it's cool to see how guys prepare, you know, like you mentioned Brennan about, you know, perspectives and, and you might get into a routine and taking things you knew from college and things that the Kings like to do and put you in situations even to warm up or, or, or go through various drills. You're going through USA basketball where you have all these different perspectives, right. In the coaching game. And, and um, obviously the, you know, international basketball FIBA competition is, is so much physical and it, it, I having Keegan Murray go through some of those situations as a, bigger body as a guy who's learning to play bigger and more physical and also changing his body uh, to suit that, that it's like the perfect recipe really to, to set him up, maybe not so much for next year, but in, in the coming years uh, as he kind of develops into a professional athlete. Yeah. I think it's huge because what, when you go to events like this for young players, you start to see that you belong and I think that that's a big deal. Like there, it's one thing to come out there and have a, a really good rookie season 
and you're part of a family at the NBA level with your with your team. And, you know, you got the 15, 16, 17 guys that you're around all the time. And but you become like little brother in that scenario. When you go to Team USA, all of a sudden, like if as long as it's not a disaster, as long as you just like have the worst three days of your career, I think you can take so much about like just feeling comfortable that you're part of an elite group of players and that there's potential and that people see potential in you enough so that they would invite you to something like this. And uh, so I'm really happy for him. I, I think we've seen it. Uh, Sean and I have covered um, plenty of players here in Sacramento who have been part of the team USA process, whether uh, Rudy Gay, right. Um, or DeMarcus cousins or Harrison Barnes or uh, Marvin Bagley uh, or the De'Aaron Fox experience. Like even De'Aaron's experience turns out to be kind of strange at the end of the day, but I thought he learned so much. And I also thought that he was a talk at camp. Like everyone there was talking about how good he was. And I know you gain a lot of confidence from, you know, being around your peers, being around the best of the best and them saying like, Oh my gosh, oh, we can't believe how good this kid is. And so there's such a, I think there's like a validation that players get from going and playing for team USA and going and having that experience and, and so I'm really glad he's getting it because at, at, you know, at the end of the day, it's about coming back each and every summer, a different player, a better player and a, a more well-rounded player, but also a more confident player. And the Kings need him to take a huge step. And in order to do that, he needs to feel that he's ready to take a big step. And I think this is just another like, you know, building block for him to be something bigger than he, he was in his rookie season, if that makes sense. It's something that's always so uh, – it, it always catches my uh, attention is every time you're around USA basketball. And, look, you've got some different people involved now. There's no more Greg Popovich. There's no more Jerry Colangelo. There's no more Coach K, even though those guys still have a, a presence around USA basketball. They're never really gone. They're just not really the active members of USA basketball anymore. And Grant Hill is now taken over as the, as the managing director of USA basketball. But the one thing that remains constant, even though some of those people are gone, is how they re reward loyalty. And you wouldn't think that, like, okay, yeah, it's the off season, and here we are in July, and you're setting aside a week, maybe two weeks, to kind of get ready for USA basketball and gear yourself up, that it wouldn't really be that much of a commitment. And in years of a FIBA tournament like we're in cur currently this, this month, uh, where FIBA basketball gets underway and it takes up the entire month of August, the Olympics obviously do the same. Those are when the commitment is really big, but they they want to see people in the regular year come into camp, show that they're an active presence, wanting to be there, and they really re reward loyalty. And that's one of the reasons, like, yeah, you guys are good basketball players, but if, more than that, like, can you come in and be a different role on this team than you play on other teams? Like, we saw that, as you mentioned, James, with DeMarcus Cousins, um, a guy who came in and obviously was playing a significantly different role with USA basketball than what he did with the Sacramento Kings as a larger focal point with the Kings, obviously than what he is with USA basketball. And it, it, it it's really true, man. Like you see guys who don't completely throw everything into it and they'll, they'll move you out. You know, there's some certain, there's obviously some, um, there's obviously some some exceptions made, guys who have injuries like Paul George or, or even people who are elite in that regard, like uh, Kobe Bryant over the years, who they open the doors for him to come back. 
LeBron James, whether he's going deep into a playoff or NBA final run and, and dealing with nagging things or even, you know, the likes of Steph Curry. But, you know, short of those handful of people, Kevin Durant, you could throw in there. They want people who can are, are, are capable of playing role role players. And you look at just the history of USA basketball and they're filled with role players. It's not always just the stars. And because of that is you put a ton of stars on the team and it doesn't always work. And we've seen what that looks like in, in certain years when the U S hasn't been at top form. So uh, there's an expectation for the U S to always go out there and be the team to dominate. And they're trying to put together a team more than anything. Yeah. I, I fully enjoy this process and I'm, I'm glad that, that they're getting to be uh, that, that Keegan's a part of it. And, and actually I hope that somehow that De'Aaron Fox becomes a part of it again. Um, because I, I think that, you know, again, he had a really strange end to his run a few years back. And, and I hope that uh, that they can get on the same page and maybe he is invited back. Uh, either way, it was good to see guys like uh, Tyrese Halliburton out there. Um, Tyrese is, is built for Team USA basketball, his ability to space the floor, to uh, play passing lanes, to dish out assists. I thought was, you know, again, he's just like, all of it shows up there in, in international style of play. I also want to give a shout out to uh, former King um, Isaiah Pinheiro, who was part of the uh, Puerto Rican national team. He also went to Placer High School here uh, up the hill in, in Auburn and, uh, you know, played for the Stockton Kings, played for um, UC, uh, San Diego State. Um so uh, it's good to see him still part of the uh, Puerto Rican national team and, and get an opportunity to continue to play. Um, okay. I, I, think I think Duarte's that... supposed to be part of the Dominican Republic team. And uh, oh. and then Eric Mika, Micah, how do I say that last name? Help me out. Eric Mika. Was part of the Mika. select team, I believe, yeah. for USA mm-hmm. as well. Spent time in Stockton previously. Yeah, he looks just like Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. I love Eric's a, a great dude. Like he was part of uh, the Stockton Kings. Um, he was actually, he's, he's your typical like four a player. He's just that one step that can't get uh, a true NBA like landing spot that lets him stay in the league, I, which is too bad. But I, I think he's tremendous. You know, I thought he competed hard here in Sacramento and he's a lot of fun to watch. He, he's a dude who sets a big screen and plays hard defense, hard nosed guy. Um, and I, I think the Stockton, he was good on the Stockton Kings too. He was really good the, the year he was here. Um, okay, let's uh, let's do the the business of basketball. Uh, we're a little off today. Sean is uh, come back from a camping trip. He's going back out camping. Gonna go back out um, in the woods. I don't like it. Yeah, and, and I'm not at home. I'm in, uh, which is why my Wi-Fi has worked the whole time. Um, but it's uh, I'm in studio here. I, I was in studio all day today and. Uh, so things are a little different here, but um, let's get to the question at hand. The question, um, Sean, is is reported repeatedly that Jordan Ford will likely be in camp. Um, you know, we've we've got uh, what do we got? Fifteen players on the the main roster at this point. We got two uh, two way players. The Kings can carry up to twenty one in camp. Uh, what would you guys like to see them add here? Because, I mean, if we if we add in Jordan Ford to that mix, it puts us at 18. They still have three more roster spots. But if you're going to have a competition here, what would you like to see them add uh, going into into training camp, um, even if it's like a, a minor player that you, you think that would at least be fun to watch in, in a tryout? 
I mean, I think that you do need that that third string point guard, but I think that Jordan Ford has the potential to fill that. Um, after that, I mean, it's it's typical, but it's just kind of three fours. Like if we're talking about Trey Lyles as potentially getting a lot of run at the five, um, which makes sense to me as well, then you kind of need some more depth at that at that three four. You know, like right now, Harrison Barnes, Kessler Edwards is kind of who I have down at the three, and Duarte can give you minutes there as well. Obviously, Herder can. Um, Colby Jones, maybe you try to get away with some of it, but then Keegan Murray, um, there, you, you need some more depth. I, I think you kind of try for another Casey Akpala, Chima Moneki, you know, like those type of guys, because you still need that prototype. I still think you need that, that defensive three, four, like a Derek Jones Jr. That just got picked up and we know they had interest in previously. Like, I, I think guys like that make a lot of sense to me and that's kind of where, I still see the hole um, that third string point guard for sure. You have a lot of two and threes, but maybe just a little bit more three fours are, are what stand out to me here, especially if we're talking about Lyles potentially being at that five spot. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, I, you know, I'm for the life, as long as we do this, I'm always looking for that, you know, really stud three, you know, that starting hands down. This is a, a, a absolute sensation now obviously you're not doing that in training camp right but in terms of looking at the whole of your team uh i think those are the types of questions you're asking yourself is 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 there a pathway to land somebody like that is there a pathway to find ideally a four that can not only stretch the floor but also you know be a be a rebounding presence because i think rebounding is sorely needed outside of uh Demana sabonis he needs a lot of help in that in that in that area um, I, I, I kind of feel like a lot of that might hinge upon what the first 25 games look like with Sasha Vezinkov. Like, can Sasha be the guy that they lean on? Does it, does he have any struggles adapting to the NBA game? Uh, and I think it'll probably take 20, 25 games to really try to get an answer on that. And I think one that kind of tags along with that is as you mentioned brennan with, with trey lyles where will he be most effective and can he kind of replicate some of the success that he had last year and build upon it um you know not not suffer a setback year where it's like all right i kind of got some money now i kind of got a little bit of comfortability um last year i feel like he came into camp the right way his body was incredible um he put his all into it and you don't want to have any let up in that regard. And I don't think that he will. I think I'm very confident in the fact that he'd be able to try to replicate with what, what he did last year. I think he found a nice role on the team. And I think Mike Brown has a lot of confidence in him. Um, but yeah, I think rather than trying to find some fringe player, some to answer like who to bring in for training camp, I think you have to really kind of take the more broad approach and say, what's our pathway and finding what ultimately we need these holes to, to, to be better at. And, it's just unfortunate that you've got some, a couple guys, and maybe you could throw Chris Duarte in that in that conversation as well. Is can he turn his season around from last year while he's healthy? Um, so you do have some questions for sure. Just say Justice Winslow already, Sean. I do like Justice Winslow. I do. I know you love Justice Winslow. <laughs> I do. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm with you guys. I, I kind of, I would like to see them, maybe go find someone to compete with Kessler Edwards, like find someone that that has that type of skill set, but like what, what Brennan brought up, um, 
don't know. Would you guys take a, a flyer right? We're getting down to, you know, like not that far away from camp. I mean, uh, media day has been pushed back, which I think is weird. It's in October. Uh, it's like, I think the second or third of October. And then we go into training camp like the next day. Um, but uh, would you guys take a flyer on a guy like Kelly Oubre, who's still sitting there waiting uh, to sign a contract with somebody and, and maybe you, you do extend uh, like a league minimum contract and say, Hey, if you can battle with Chris Duarte and you can battle with Kessler Edwards and you can come out on top, you know, maybe we would kick the tires on you. Maybe we would find a rotational spot for you. Would you do something like that? Or are you confident in the, you know, the sort of what they're building here with the 15 guys they already have? I would, I would not. Not on him in particular. I there are certainly some people out there that I, you know, would like to see a competition through and see how things play out. But um, I, I don't, I don't personally see how adding Kelly Oubre at this stage, um, especially with some of the questions you have, um, I, I feel like it could maybe complicate things a little bit. Um, I don't think he's just the type of player that would be this guy that puts them into another tier, if you will. I think um, you've got. Some guy. I mean, if things get into a dire circumstance where there's an injury or, you know, there's a tremendous setback with some of the players you mentioned, James, um, to where you can't rely on either Chris Duarte or Kessler Edwards, or you can maybe throw in a couple other ones to be that type of rotational piece, then maybe that's when you go and look at trying to add someone like him. But I feel like at this stage of where they are entering camp, it's not the right time that would be either a back-end camp move or an early season move if he might be available at that time. Yeah, I think it, it depends on how, like Ubre specifically, it would depend on how he's viewing it. I think that such an important aspect of Sacramento's season last year and part of the reason that I think there's optimism behind, the, at least somewhat optimism behind the continuity is how much chemistry this group had. And I think that's a very delicate thing. And that's nothing specifically against Kelly Ubre, but like, it's just very, it's delicate. And that's a guy that I would imagine is looking for a little bit larger of a role than maybe what Sacramento could potentially provide. Um, there's, you know, some other names out there that are, I guess, somewhat intriguing and intriguing, as intriguing as you're going to get at this point in the off season, right? Like a Juan Toscano Anderson is out there. There's like TJ Warren. Um, so I, I think there's some interesting pieces. I think we mentioned Wenyan Gabriel before, and I don't know that I love the idea of him, but there's there's still names out there that I think have some potential intrigue. But guys like Christian Wood, Kelly Oubre, while the potential of their skill would be hard to just totally overlook at this point if they were able to get, somehow get them on a minimum deal, which seems pretty unlikely. Um, it, it's just very delicate considering what the potential roles would be. And I do think there is so much value and maybe this is because, you know, year one for me covering the team, like I saw what looked to be a pretty bad locker room environment, maybe not in, maybe not in like the way they got along, but on court chemistry. And it was just night and day compared to last year, right? Roles were defined. Everybody seemed to have been bought in. And I think there was so much value in that last year that you just have to be extremely careful to not mess with that going into the next year. Is there a guy for each of you? I mean, is there a guy that, that that you're most intrigued by that is still available that you go, oh, that's puzzling to me why he might be still available? 
I mean, not for me. I mean, like, again, Christian Wood and, and Kelly Oubre both have a ton of skill and a ton of talent, and they're both, like, rotational players, in my opinion. But, like, I, I don't think I would bring either in either. Uh, I mean, I would consider it. But at this point, you made your move with Duarte. Like, I, I think that if you would have not traded for Duarte and you would have gone after Oubre, that would have been another thing. And I also – I've said this before, but, like, Mike Brown knows – knows Kelly Oubre really well. They, they he was with Golden State for a little while. Uh Jay Triano knows knows him really well. They were together in Charlotte. Uh De'Aaron Fox knows Kelly Oubre really, really well. They played A, you ball together, they're friends. Um and he's always said that he would love to have Kelly on their team. Um but that doesn't mean that the other experiences from the other people are the same. And you know, like you're trying to build a winning culture uh, I'm not sure that that Christian Wood does, checks all the boxes when you're trying to build a winning culture. On paper, he might be the, one of the most perfect fits next to Demonis Sabonis you could possibly find in the league. And we're talking about a three-point shooting, shot blocking, rebounding power forward that can stretch. Like, but that doesn't mean that like what he is and what on paper is what he is uh, when it comes to like the impact on wins and losses. So I'd be a little leery there. So I don't know. Like, I, I don't – like, Sean, it's a good question. I don't think there is somebody that I would point to and say, huh, got to go get that guy. You know, I don't think he's I, sitting out there, the right guy to fix everything. Yeah. I think in the Christian Wood case, um, him being available says a lot. Oh, of course. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't think I have to Well, so does Ubre. I mean, come on now. Yeah, but I, I would say, like um, – he averaged twenty Probably more a game so, last year. Yeah, and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember back of the of the transaction history in terms of when Kelly Ray's last quote unquote payday was, but like Christian Wood's not that far removed from signing a pretty sizable deal, you know, and now he's just available. Uh, and, and I think I think that kind of speaks pretty loudly. I think so too. Stanley Johnson's kind of interesting. Sean, am I remembering right that that's somebody you've mentioned before? Oh yeah, I'm a look. He's just a guy who he's, you know, for whatever rhyme or reason, I think he's um, stayed relatively ready to go. Um, he's a guy who had, I mean, superb talent. He was groomed for, you know, to be a, a star, and it just hasn't worked. Um, he's always I, I, he was a guy that I thought could it could have been a candidate for a ten day or or, or a late pickup last year not I think it was right around the December mark is when he ended up going to the Lakers uh, and then he became available right around February I think if I'm not mistaken I'm trying to do off the top of my head but um, yeah I mean a guy who I think has been humbled a lot and has a lot of talent and he, he's he's somebody that I mean it, it's a it's a tale as old as time I mean you're gonna see guys that get heralded one minute and then out of the league the next so uh, for whatever rhyme or reason, I've never heard people totally kill him. I think the the shot making uh, has certainly been a question, but uh, he's got size, he's got length, he's got he plays pretty solid defense, um, but for whatever reason hasn't been able to find the right fit. And I I know we've obviously talked about Jordan Ford, but I don't think that eliminates you know you looking at. Um, other potential point guards. And I think there's interesting guys out there, especially if you want to replicate like somewhat of a Della Vadova role when it comes to mentorship, like Ish Smith is still out there. There's 
Goran Dragic, George Hill, DJ Augustine, all these guys are actually a couple years older than Della Vadova, believe it or not. But if you were looking for some veteran breaking case of emergency, third string point guard, I think those guys are a little interesting. Even Trey Burke, who spent time last year in Stockton, like that's another guy that kind of stands out that like, hmm. yeah, I, I just don't think that they're going to, that they're going to do anything crazy here. I think you, you probably want to sit back and make sure that, um, you know, somebody doesn't cut somebody that you like. I mean, look at Oklahoma city. Um, you know, they're at, uh, I think it's right around 20, 21 players right now. Um, and they're going to have to cut down to 15 because, and that's not including their two ways. Like they've got some players, they might be able to move to two ways, but uh, realistically there's a team that they're going to have to cut some people. And there are other, other teams out there that are going to have to cut some young players that maybe one or two of them make sense to you. And so I think the Kings will also look to probably keep one roster spot open something that they've learned a couple of times the hard way that it makes a lot more sense to have a roster spot open and be able to go help out or, or, you know, trade for a player and, you know, whether it's like a Kessler Edwards, but they they've done that a couple of times where they've used a roster spot to actually acquire a second round pick or a player that makes sense to them. So um, yeah, I, it, it's all interesting. Like roster, the roster makeup, it looks like it's pretty close at this time. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, something else happens but like it it looks like this is what they they probably will will walk into camp with with maybe like some small extra add-ons here and there which would be more like g league or guys that you would you know hopefully would stick in stockton for some time yeah and and you might see some of those familiar faces from summer league uh maybe maybe pop up on the radar mike dom mike dom mike dom well, and to your point with OKC James and other teams as well, like those teams will try to trade guys before they just get rid of them. And so having these available open roster spots, I, I think holds some value in that aspect as well. Yeah, they might give you something to take a player. Yeah, so they don't have to pay out. So, I mean, that's always a possibility. They might give you a, a second round pick since they have like 400 picks over the next three drafts. So yeah, you never know. All right. Uh, what do we got for final thoughts? Let's let's get out of here. I have to give a shout out to Sean because I have tried two food recommendations in the last uh, two weeks, and they were both phenomenal. Uh, Mezcal in the Tomas ran into a Kings Beat listener, and I'm the worst that I don't remember your name, but I appreciate you. Um, and Sean, the sh- uh, spicy shrimp plate, I got what you said, amazing, amazing. sala diabla, and so great. So I took Ooh. your second uh, bit of advice as well and went to Frank's Fats or Frank Fats. Phenomenal. Got that banana cream pie that you mentioned. The honey walnut shrimp was amazing. So shout out to Sean for the recommendations. James, if a- you have others, I'm glad to hear it. Any listeners, comments, recommendations, <laughs> Sacramento and Datomas area? Brendan's really getting, okay. to know the, getting to know the geography now, I'm trying. the landscape. He's got to try. And for the record, I hate banana cream pie. I hate bananas in general. Uh, but I just know that that is what they're known for at Frank Fats. So um, my final thought would be uh, I don't really have many. Um, it's been beautiful. The weather has been phenomenal. Um, I don't like camping, but uh, it's been really, really good. And um, I, oh, how about uh, a lot of high school football one week from today as we record this on a Friday? High school football getting going all across, all across the uh, 
the, 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 the region. So those Friday night lights are going to be turned on and I'm going to get out to a lot. You, you go check out some high school football, Brendan. I have not yet, but you should do that. I should. Yeah, man. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Sometimes I'll go across the street, uh, like to bear river and watch a little high school football, a little, not a lot though. Not a lot. I used to live right next um, to Bulls of my never went to a game. Yeah. Well, that would be kind of weird. Like at least I'm a dad and I walk over to my yeah, son's that's there like enough. hanging out. But if you're just like a dude in your 20s walking up to a high school game, like a little strange. Oh, if I shave, I might be able to suit up. I don't know. Yeah, you probably have a student body card you could probably get in. But, <laughs> right. Uh, no, I mean, it's. I know a lot of people that, that will go do that, especially for a team like Folsom that ends up having a lot of, you know, blue chip talent athletes. And um, I mean, if you go check out Grant and you got kid going to UNLV, kid going to uh, Utah, um, several other D1 players in there. Folsom's always got a, a slew of them. Yeah, go go check them out, especially especially the public schools. That's a that's a lot of fun. All right, uh, James's final thoughts. Um, number one, I love the weather. The weather's been great. Like this eighty-five thing is spectacular. Um, thoughts and prayers out to the Lahaina area in uh, on Maui. Um, we were there like I don't know a year and a half ago. Uh, absolutely beautiful area. Great people. Um, feel really bad for what's happening there. Um, let's see outside of that. Uh, I, I just, my son talked me into playing fantasy, uh, EPL, like English premier league, uh, oh, soccer. God, why? I, because it's fun. I don't know. And, and I've gotten into like the transfer market and all that stuff this year. So I actually have some more knowledge, but I, I want to give a shout out to the Sac Republic who are becoming movers and shakers. You know, they've got, um it looks like they have a whale so maybe we could see something with mls i'm not sure uh but they went out and signed a 13 year old this last week which is flat out crazy uh and like hopefully that works out for him but he looks like a, a crazy ball player that they might even play this weekend um so this isn't just some gimmick this is them going out and trying something uh, and I would think that if it works, we might see a new revolution of, of things like this in American soccer, where they're going out and looking at local talent and signing them to contracts and actually giving them an opportunity to play at the USL or the, um, you know, the MLS level. So really interesting stuff going on there. Uh, yeah, I did, I did an interview, by the way, that, that, that whale, Belinda Stronach, and it was, uh, it's been in the works for a long time. I mean, if you remember that that classic game during the U.S. Open Cup where the, the, the Republic beat another MLS team to advance, they go to Orlando to face, but it ends in shootout, and Kevin Gilmore was actually at that game. That's how far back. Kevin Gilmore is the CEO for her, her company and is a former, you know, president with Montreal and the, and the MLS team or the soccer team they had up there, and so he's got some roots there. It's a pretty promising thing. They're very cautiously optimistic because of just – the, I mean, just look at the track record of how things have worked out. But yeah, they're going to have to enter the negotiation stage, and hopefully, the the MLS will want to expand beyond the thirty that they have. And the expansion fee, the last one was five hundred million dollars. Can you imagine if it's right around the same? I mean, that's that's a lot of money for MLS. So she seems like she's all in, uh, and it'll be interesting here in the next uh, really month or so to see if. 
if you can get some word from MLS, can you get a, a, a stadium ready to go in the rail yards? I know they're confident that they can do that. They just have to know whether they're doing it for a USL team or for potentially an MLS team. It's a All solid right. reminder that Inter-Miami is playing in the League Cup's quarterfinal right now. So I'm about to turn that on. Just went up 1-0. Get a little messy. messy bouquets and Jordi Alba. Yeah, let's do it. Uh-oh. Look at that. Oh, Brandon. What? He's watched movies and now he's watching I play FIFA. Soccer? I play FIFA. What? Okay. Oh, my My son <laughs> is a FIFA master. So. By the um, way, them having Messi just shows that even him, what is he, 36, 37 years old? The, the differential in, with respect to MLS players, the differential in talent that that guy can come over and do what he does, just unbelievable. Um, unbelievable. And I, I'm not a soccer guy, but that is, that is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, he's a joy to watch. Like, watch him whenever you can. So, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Beat Podcast. Uh, if you're still watching and you don't mind, give us a thumbs up, uh, subscribe. Give us a rating or review wherever you watch podcasts. Jump on board with the King's Beat. Go to thekingsbeat.com and become a premium subscriber. Um, I worked all week with Kenny Caraway here at uh, ESPN 1320. So shout out to my dude, Kenny. Uh, KC, he was amazing all week. And it's a bear to sit here for four hours straight, uh, five days in a row. Uh, absolutely crazy to, uh, to people who do that for a living all day, every day. So uh, shout out to Kenny. Um, and, uh, we'll be back. We'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, and, uh, we'll start gearing up as we get closer and closer to the start of the 2023-24 Sacramento Kings season. So for Box 40, Sean Cunningham, and, oh, look, I've got him. Brendan Nunes from the Kings Pulse Podcast. I'm James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.